Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay. So the men are getting back from New Hampshire. I actually, I think some of them are still on the way. But uh, we were really blessed. We were really blessed to have a speaker. His name is Pastor Raz, which is Raskiel. Is that right? Raskiel. I asked someone if they've ever heard of the name Raskiel. They were from the Dominican Republic. They said, I've never heard of Raskiel. But uh, Pastor Raz from uh, the Calvary Chapel in uh, Miami. And uh, he just really filled us up. I have to tell you, we, we were so blessed by him. And uh, I, I just like to sort of introduce the same way I introduced him at the men's retreat. I, uh, I have, uh, at Calvary Chapel has an informal sister, system where pastors have pastors. Um, the day that you don't think you need a pastor, you're in a dangerous place. And even when you become a pastor, you realize you need a pastor. And so I have really two. One is Calvary Chapel in Rockland. It's Pastor Randy. But the other is the, the, the man, the pastor who released us to come up here, to return here to Massachusetts. And um, for the purpose of waiting on God that he would plan a church through us. And, and that's Pastor Robert in Miami. And uh, Robert and I pray every other week, and we're in close contact. He's like a best friend to me. And I asked him if he had any recommendations for a, a pastor to do our men's conference. And uh, he said this. He said, look, you know, I have, I have some folks. I, there is a guy. There's a couple. There's people he knows that can can get up there and get your guys all fired up and rah, 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 and a uh, lot of hype. But if you want a guy who you really want to drink from the well of 40 years of ministry and being a pastor and just a, a man who is deeply humble and who will just deliver the word of God in humility, the guy you want is Pastor Rass. Pastor Raz, and uh, man, did he deliver. In fact, Dan Dehart came up to me right after his first message, and he said he just did exactly what Pastor Robert said he would do, and now he's going to do it for you. One of the things that he talked about was the men really getting together uh, uh, with relationships, getting more connected, and so we are taking the lead of the ladies from the women's retreat who had a prayer partner sign up and that has been that has worked well uh, where you are agreeing uh, the ladies agreed to sign up the ladies who signed up agreed to pray with this person once per week and uh, it's worked well uh, and so we're going to follow their lead and we're going to outdo them guys so we have sign up in the back for the men. Uh, if you didn't sign up last night, please, guys, please. If you are not praying with a man once a week. So don't tell me I pray with my wife. I'm glad you do. You should pray with your wife. But if you're not praying with another Christian man who sees you and knows you at church, you are in a dangerous place. 
So we have that sign-up sheet in the back, and um, please, you know, I, I told the guys, look, I'm the pastor. I, I pray with um, a, a few guys every single week, and I desperately need these guys. If I need them, if I need three or four, surely you need one. So guys, the sign-up is in the back. Pastor Raz, come up here and uh, bless us once again. Give Pastor Raz a good hand. Good morning in the city, Calvary Chapel. I so uh, appreciate your name, and um, I got to say, first of all, before I forget, that the way that God works, the way that God operates is, some, he's, God is a planner, you know, God is, um, he's a strategist, he's no sloppy uh, agape, God is amazing, but in that amazement, Sometimes he plans that if he gave you a last-minute invitation, how would you respond? And so as a society, we become so locked into our planner and our plans and our scheme. And so if the Lord on Sunday morning told you ladies, hey, I want to get together with you, I wonder how many ladies would say, well, Lord, I'm in. Because if you want me, I want you. Um, it's just challenge, you know, when you say, well, Lord, you got to give me six months. I got to plan it. I got to put it in my schedule. So uh, I just encourage you. Also, I discovered, you know, the Lord is living water. And um, sometimes when, when you want to drink and you want to be quenched, he'll do it. But God is such a gentleman. You know, I, I'm Latino, so i like, let's do this, you know, now. You know, the Lord says, here it is. If you want it, come in. I'll blow your mind. If you don't want it, I'll tear up because not only I want you, you need me. And it's a funny thing. I see people living today and I'm thinking, man, is anybody getting it? So I, I just wanted to, Stephanie, I think it is. Man, let's blow the God's mind and let's blow her mind. And ladies, sign up, sign up. The Lord wants to meet with you. And I'm, I'm going on a limb, Dad, because I, I, I don't know where you're going. I don't know. If it doesn't work out, then maybe the Lord wanted to. But I believe just knowing um, Pastor Steve, uh, I, I was introduced to Stephanie today. I, I got to believe that she's inviting you to something. I, I just got to believe that God's in it. It's Pastor Randy's church. Oh, then it's got to be. Oh, then you're in. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl Cahill, one of the most godly ladies that, that I know. Real deal, genuine. Uh, so it's good. I mean, forgive me for being transparent, and uh, I, don't, I don't know any other way to be. Let me go on and say that it's a privilege for me to be here. After that introduction, I, I have a very difficult time coming up. You know, it's a, um, I am what I am by the grace of God, not false humility. It's just the bottom line. You know, um, I was a very proud man, um, but I realized that really without Jesus, I'm really nothing. And uh, I am really amazed that God has had so much patience with me for 67,000 miles. And I have a lovely wife at home. You should meet her, Isel. She's helped me so much to get to where I am today um, in a very, um, very special way. She's an artist, architecture, um, uh, minor, interior design major. So definitely I married up. <laughs> you know, and uh, very intelligent. She knows everything about everything. I mean, you could you could just strike a conversation with Isel. She'll tell you about architecture. She'll tell you about the columns. You know, we gone to Italy in different places. She's amazing. And then in the kitchen, get out of the way. 
I mean, it's it, Italian, it's, it's Indian. And, I, and ladies, if you're not there, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Uh, I'm hopefully, I'm just trying to encourage you. You, could, you too can do this, you know? Uh, or now you got grub hubs and you could call it in. But anyway, the point is, she, um, she's an amazing wife, you know? An amazing mom, um, an amazing lady. And uh, she's put up with me for like 43 years of marriage. So her crown is gonna be so big, when I get to heaven, all I'm, I'm gonna be assigned just to help her carry it, you know, <laughs> before she throws it at the feet of Jesus. But the reason I'm saying that is because we're living in tough days where ladies, if I could be upfront, I shouldn't do this this early on. I think a lot of ladies have bought into um, the, the spirit of today. When I was born and grew up, you know, guys had the head and heart attacks and um, hypertension, you know, all those things. And then the ladies bought into this um, philosophy. You could be the leader. You could be the president. You could be the CEO. And you can't. You know, my wife is sharper than I am. She's better. She, she's amazing. But God says, husband, you, you got to take the lead. Wife, you got to trust your husband. And that's a tough one. I'm glad I'm not married to no husband. I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> I wouldn't trust him. You know, but the way that God's designed it, if you want to do it God's way, for, for me to lead, I got to pray. I got to pray. I'm impulsive. I'm local. And for my wife to submit, she's got to pray. She's got to pray. And, and in a sense, you're not submitting to your husband. You're submitting to God that he's going to take care of the turkey that you married. And God will do it. He did it with Abraham. You know, he messed up. Hey, let's say you're my sister. I got this plan. You know, I can see Sarah. Here we go again, Abe. But she did it. And the Lord stepped up. And if there's one thing our society needs today is for the Lord to step up in families. So I want to say to you ladies, your husbands, by God's grace, they've been fed. You got an opportunity. If you, if you nourish that, God's going to give you a man of God. Nourish it. Don't. Don't block them. The best thing you could do, ladies, is sometimes touch your husband in the steps, in the, in the, in the hands, in his arms, and say, you got the strongest biceps I've ever seen. And that guy's going to say, yeah, honey, tell me more. Let's, you know. Or you could sit in the car and say, why are you going this way? Turn left here. Stop right. Go, go, go ahead. And then, okay. And, and you want a man. You want, you want someone that will say, man, I've heard from the Lord, wife. Not a macho, but just a leader, a man. A leader leads by example. And you're created for that. That's what you really want. You won't see it in the movies. Hollywood won't give you that message. The world won't give you that message because the world's not listening to God. So forgive me for saying that. Please don't get upset. I mean, listen to the teaching first. This teaching is really geared mainly for ladies. You know, God, God wants to bless you this morning. So having said that, please join me. Luke chapter 8. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. I want to say thank you to Pastor Steve. I want to say thank you to the leadership here. I want to say thank you to the men. I've had an excellent uh, weekend. I've been so blessed. I feel kind of guilty. I think I got more blessed than anybody. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for inviting me. You, you took a risk. And my prayer is that after I leave, you would remember Jesus and and there would be lasting fruit. I pray that you men that were on the retreat, you will know that mountaintop experiences. I love that song we sang today is that when we come back to the valley, the Lord will meet us. Don't, don't wait for next, um, next year. Uh, but any man here that didn't go, let me put in the plug. We miss you. You, you need to go next year. Uh, so any guys that didn't go, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just telling you, you have no idea what you missed. And I want to be frank. Um, 
I don't know if I could be this frank. I don't know if you want to listen to anything else I'm going to say, but your pastor blessed his heart. He invited me. I don't think I answered him, you know, and that's so rude. And, and I like to be well-mannered, but, but bottom line, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a shy guy. I'm a timid guy. And I thought, man, they could get so many other pastors to go to that conference. So I don't want to go. I hate travel. And I'm showing you I'm a pansy, you know. Um, I, you know, so I, I, I was just praying, Lord, you, you know, you, you don't want me, Lord, you want somebody else. And then, so then there's some ladies here from Boston that, that I've, I met through the radio program. We have a radio program and she called in and, and then there's another daughter of mine that was in Miami for a while. And then she came to New Hampshire and then her daughter is such a special lady. I don't want to get emotional because men don't cry. At least that's the way I grew up. Anyway, I know it's crazy, but so anyway, so the Lord is doing this where he's, he's, they're calling and it's like the Lord saying, Raz, I want to take you to Boston. You know, are you, are you okay with that? And I'm going to say, no, Lord, because I'm shy, blah, blah, blah. And, and the Lord is saying, are you going to be about you or are you going to be about me? And you think at 67 years old, right, pastor? You think I get it, right? Keep praying for me. But all of that to say that, then I said to the Lord, I said, you know, Pastor Steve should be so upset at me. He must think I'm a rude Cuban, you know, nut. I'm not going to call this guy. I'll get somebody else. I said, I'm safe. So then I said, but if he calls me again, Lord, then I guess you really want me to go. (laughs) He calls. He calls or he texts or something. I said, I can't believe your patience. You know, I'm in. How can I do anything else? It'd be outright disobedience, you know. But then I get here and I like the guys. I speak to the guys. God showed up. You know, he rode to Jerusalem in a donkey. So he came to New Hampshire in another donkey, you know. And so it was good. Sorry for giving you all that time. Now that I got that out, let's, let's, let's dive into the word. I want to read one verse, pray, and then we'll dive in. It's Luke chapter 8. Verse 41, um, it tells us, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. I want to focus in on those words, he fell down at Jesus' feet. Let's make it shorter fell down. He fell down at Jesus' feet. I don't think you can make it shorter and, and do good English. By the way, I'm not the best in English or grammar. Uh, English is my second language. I can't believe God lets me do this. So, but let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord, and, and forgive me if, if, if too much attention came to me already. Lord, please, let's get, let's get away from that. We want to put our attention on you. Lord, I thank you for the people that are here this morning. God, you love them. You know them. You know those that are broken. You know those that are hurting. You know those that are fearful. You know those that are bothered. I don't. You do. You've assembled us here, Lord. You also know those that are are rejoicing, those that know you. They love you. They're growing. Those that have already spent time with you this morning. You know that, Lord. You know those that are humble and meek, and you know those that are proud and stubborn. You know those that are just resisting the work that you want to do. And we pray that somehow, some way, uh, through the worship that we had, the worship we'll have at the closing, through the teaching of your word, God, please draw us closer to you. And may we this morning get good instruction to learn from Jairus what it means to fall down at Jesus' feet. Not the denomination's feet, not the tradition, not the churchianity feet, not the psychology, not man's feet, but your feet. 
Lord, may we learn this side of heaven, what it means to fall down at your feet. And I pray you would do that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Those that agreed said, Amen. Amen. So let's begin to read. Let's, let's have fun. Write down before we read Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10, because of time, and I better get a clock out here, or you guys will be here till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They told me I could go to 3 o'clock. <laughs> Just to see if you were listening. Uh, I, th- I, I, I think, let me make sure, uh, 11.18. Is 12 okay, or is that too late? What time do you usually go? Be frank, please. 11.55, good, we'll aim for that. I need your prayers, okay? So, so here's the deal. In Philippians 3.10, the Apostle Paul, after following Jesus, after serving Jesus, after, after being an incredible servant, seeing the work of the Lord, you know that if you follow Jesus, you're going to see Jesus working in, in your job, in your store, in your house, with your husband. With, you're going to see Jesus. If you follow Jesus, he's leading. You're going to see him working. So after all, about 25 years, Paul makes a statement there. He says, man, the things that I counted for gain, I've counted them a loss to, to know Jesus. And the implication there, he's talking about when he was converted. Paul was breathing threats against the church. He was the type of guy that said, I can't stand those followers of Jesus. I can't stand those believers. I want to get them, you know. And he's on it. He's on a roll, you know. And as he's on his words, I can't stand that Jesus is not the Messiah. That's a lie. These people are fanatic. You know, this is my translation, you know. As he's writing, there's, Paul, there's Jesus waiting for Paul. He says, hey, Saul, Saul. <laughs> Why are you persecuting me, you know. And he just said, there ain't no yet. And now he's seeing and then he made this, this mistake. He said, who are you, Lord? He knew who he was. He didn't say, who are you, R2-D2? I know I'm dating myself. I'm not, you know, I'm not the, the, the coolest guy. In this. He didn't say, who are you, Chupacabra? You know, he, <laughs> he, he didn't say, you are you, Mirage? You know, uh, what, what do they say now? Ghost. He said, who are you, Lord? And you know by the answer, because Jesus says, I'm Jesus. You know who I am. I'm the one you're persecuting. And he was broken. At that point, he said, dude, I'm persecuting your people. I'm denying you. I'm on the way to kill some Christians, and you meet me on the road? You, you come to me with your best when I'm at my worst? <laughs> Pray for me. I don't know what's happened. I got old, and I get all emotional all of a sudden, you know? As <laughs> I grew up in New York City, and, and, you know, I'm a city kid. You don't cry, you know? That's a sign of weakness. I don't know what's happening to me. But maybe too many Hallmark movies. I don't know, just joking. <laughs> just <laughs> but the point is, the point is, get back to the point. He's seeing Jesus, and Jesus is saying, why are you persecuting me? It's like, what have I done to you? Well, what's your problem? And I think Jesus is doing this with a smile, maybe a tear. So, so, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. And you're kicking against the goats. You know what that means? You're going to have mental problems because in your soul, you know the deal. And with your mind, you're trying to go against what you know that is true. That creates psychosomatic problems. That's a dangerous thing. It's not good for mental health. The best thing a person can do is surrender to Jesus and what the soul and spirit, what Jesus is telling you through your soul and spirit. Humble yourself. Admit, I don't know you guys, but I I need help. I need Jesus. 
I'm, I'm wrong. I, I want to be a better husband, better dad. I'm wrong. Admit it. Admit it. Because if you don't, the only one you're kidding is yourself. Everybody knows. And so Jesus is saying, so why, why are you persecuting me? What have I done against you? You're going against the goats. You keep this up. It's nervous breakdown. It, it can really get bad. It's like a circuit switch that's going to go off on your head. So you're pushing. You're, you're pressing it. I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. And it's a hard thing to kick against the goats. And at that point, Saul says, Lord, you got me. I'm in. <laughs> what do you want me to do? And if you look through the scriptures, you see that he's the only one I know in scripture that when God calls Ananias and says, hey, listen, go to the straight street. You're going to pray for Paul. You know, I got a lot of things for him to do, and I've shown him already how much he's going to suffer for my name's sake. It's like, like Saul says, what do you want me to do? And, and Jesus says, I'm going to tell you what I want you to do. You're going to be a witness to me. You're going to be a follower. You're going to be a disciple. And it's going to cost you a lot of pain and persecution and misunderstanding. And people are going to judge you and they're going to label you. And every town you go to, they're going to, they're going to, throw, they're going to throw stones at you. You're going to be put in jail. You're going to go through the grind. You in? I think Saul says, dude, you meet me. Sorry for the illustration. I hope it's not, you know, too bad. I hope I don't offend anybody. If I do, Pastor Steve is back next Sunday. Everything will be okay. Everything will be back to normal. It'll be cool, you know, just a little crazy Cuban here this Sunday. But back to the point here. I think Saul is saying, dude, you you love me. I've never seen love like this before. I got an incredible intellect. I know things intelligently. I know the Greek. I know the Hebrew. I know a lot. But I just never have known the love that you're showing me. Amen. Amen. Whatever it costs, the pain, whatever it means. Amen. So all of that to say that <laughs> Saul's conversion is not just, and I'm not criticizing the four spiritual laws. I, please pray. I, I pray that I could be frank. I could be crazy. I pray that, that you give me a chance and look through me and you see Jesus, okay? And, and what I'm trying to say is uh, Saul wasn't about four spiritual laws. Saul was about, man, I've met Jesus and I'm going to follow Jesus. And what I want you to see is that because he's converted. What does it mean to be born again? You know, your sins are forgiven. You confess your sins. You confess your need for Jesus. You want a vertical relationship with the living God. Pastor Steve, I like, I like that guy. I like that family. I met Joy. I mean, Faith Joy. Where is she? Where is she? She stepped out? Okay, that's, that's too much information. Sorry. But, but I, I, I like her. <laughs> I like her, you know. But listen, you, you got to meet Jesus. You got to meet Jesus. My dad is a pastor. My mom is a teacher. My sister was incredible. I grew up in an incredible family. Cubans, intelligent people. I don't know what happened to me. Very smart, you know. But I met Jesus, and my life has never been the same. And I'm here this morning because of Jesus. Saul met Jesus. Not, not a spiritual ascent. Not a philosophical, ooh, Jesus. No, he, no, no, he met a person. He met a savior. He met the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He met the one that's going to be the authority, the one that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He met him. And he says, a lot of things were gained to me. But when I met Jesus, 
I counted them as a loss. I wonder if you're there. I hope you are. It's, it's an incredible thing. We got COVID. We got mandates. We got confusion. We got war. We got sexual trafficking. We, we got such a mess. Your life is going to be challenged. You've been used to go to Walmart, 15,000 potato chips. You choose. Yeah, I want the one with the ruffles. I want the one with barbecue. I want the one with jalapeno. You know, you got, you got, we've been spoiled. And you know what it's going to be like going to Walmart and there's nothing? We're in for a good ride ahead here. We, we, you better fasten your seatbelts. This thing is going to get fun. See the baby saying amen. <laughs> but Paul says, man, the things that were gained to me, man, I count them as loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. And then he, he makes something. That was 25 years ago. He says, but today, he says, today, I still count them as a loss. I count everything like dung, cow pies. For the sake of knowing him. So here's the thing. Forgive me for... You don't have to take the baby away. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm, we're okay. I like, I like babies. The, the point is this. Then he makes a statement that I could just say amen. And I might have to. I, 1127. We got 1155. Then he makes a statement that's so radical. He says... It's like he's remembering his conversion. And he's making an evaluation. And he's saying, you know what? Today, yeah. And then he says, in Philippians 3.10, he says... I want to know him. That blows my mind. What are you, Paul, you want to know him? <laughs> if anybody knows him, you know him. He said, no, you don't understand. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I love him, more love he bestows. His cup runneth over, my love overflows the longer I serve him. The sweeter he grows. That's a song. I almost sang it to you, but I'm still restrained, believe it or not. So all of that to make this point, sorry I belabored it, you know. Do you know Jesus? I think a lot of you do. The message this morning is knowing Jesus a little bit more. Please go back to the scriptures here. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 41. We see here that Javius fell at the feet of Jesus. I wish I could tell you what that word fell uh, is in the original language. I wish I could, but let's get on here. We'll never finish. So what we have here is that Jesus comes to, from Gadara, he comes now back to Capernaum. And so if you, if you have an imaginary map here of Israel and the Sea of Galilee, you have Capernaum somewhere around here. Jesus left Capernaum and he went to Gadara. He had an appointment there with two guys that were demon-possessed. He brought healing. He brought sanity. He brought deliverance. And now Jesus gets on the boat because the people in town have said, Jesus, hey, you got to go. You, you got too much power. We can't handle you. And so Jesus gets on the boat and he goes back to Capernaum. Okay, so when he arrives at Capernaum, it's a beautiful deal, again, because of time, I'm racing pray for me but it's a beautiful deal because mark mark chapter 5 it'll give you more information it'll, it'll be beautiful but i look to your eyes for communication and what you have is jesus arriving to the seashore of capernaum and it tells us here there's this ruler of the synagogue jairus that comes to jesus and now he falls at the feet of jesus and he says hey I'm begging you. That word beg, if you're taking notes, is a word that means I'm calling you. It's a word that means to call near. It's a word that means to invite, to pray. It's a word that means to desire, and it's a word that means to desire comfort. Jairus is saying, Jesus, 
I beg you, I beg you right now, I'm putting everything on the line and I'm begging you, Jesus. I'm calling you near, Jesus, you got to come to my house. You got to come to my house, Jesus. And then go back there and read this. Now we go to verse 42 and it says that he only had a daughter, one daughter, about 12 years of age. So I see one daughter, I think every daughter's a sheer leader. Give me a D, give me an A, give me a D, give me a D, give me a Y. What does that spell? Daddy, <laughs> daddy. I have a daughter, Alicia. Man, she's amazing, Peach. Takes after her mother, per se. <laughs> you know, she's, uh, and uh, man, my daughter was, she, she's like, I remember I would get sick. I wouldn't ask the elders to pray for me. They're supposed to. I would ask Alicia to come in and pray for me. Because every time, anoint me with oil, she would pray, I would get healed. Alicia's got a direct line with God, I hope you know. Pray for her. What a special lady. Alicia, we got, we got 10 acres in Calvary, Miami. You know, we were able to buy the property. And then we were able to buy the next five acres to that. 10 acres, you know. And so we buy the property, you know. And, um, you know, the church has been very thrifty. Pray for the staff in Calvary Chapel. We pay them very little, you know. They, but the point is this, that... We're able to buy that property, and we get that property. And then Alicia shows me in her journal that she had been praying to God, and her prayer was, God, help us to buy a property that we don't have to sell the old Calvary Chapel. Uh, and God answered her prayer. <laughs> she, she was five or six years old. I would, come from, from, I would come home from work, and she would say, Daddy, Daddy, come here, lay in the bed. I was so tired. She knew that if she gave me to lie down in the bed, I would fall asleep. So she had Daddy. Of course, I love my mommy. Mommy would come in the middle and I say, hey, your bed is over here. <laughs> Let's go, you know. Praise God. Don't hate my wife for that. She's just very clear. But here's the point I want to make. She would come in and she would say, Daddy, read me from Revelation. I would say, Revelation? <laughs> Revel yeah, Daddy, that's my favorite book, Revelation. <laughs> special. All of this to say, I know I lost you by now, but daughter, a daughter. So Jairus, I, I believe he's got that connection with his daughter. That's his daughter. That's his little girl. And now she's dying. Can you imagine being by the bedside of your little girl? I hope the Lord calls me home first. I, only through Jesus. I, his little girl is sick and she's dying. And, and I'm getting ahead of myself. But this is not the first time that, that Jairus and Jesus probably met. Because Jesus has already been in Capernaum. And to give you the, the information for that, you want to write down Mark 3, verse 6. I wish I could go there. I, I don't have the time. Am I giving you the right place? Uh, is it Luke chapter 6? Let me look at it so I'll make sure that I give you the right, the right place. But in Luke chapter 6, is it Luke chapter 6, verse 11? Yeah, they were filled with rage and they discussed one another how they might do what they might do to Jesus. Okay, let's get back to the point here. So this is not the first time that Jesus and Jairus meet. The, the implication is that Jesus on the day of Sabbath, you remember, he goes to the synagogue and there's the man with the withered hand you remember and jesus said stand up you know because jesus goes into a room and i love jesus that's one of the reasons I, I love jesus when you get to know jesus right now in this room the person that's got the most pain the person that's the, at the toughest point the person who has the deepest broken heart jesus is he's on you he's on you you might know it you might not know it you might believe it you might not believe it but it's like a mother's love. Whether you believe it or not, mom is still loving you. And how much more, Jesus? So all of that, to make the point that already the religious uh, authorities and community have said anyone that sides with Jesus, they're done. They don't like Jesus, okay? 
So Jairus, that's his, he's the ruler of the synagogue. Did I tell you what the ruler of the synagogue means? He's the leader. He's the one that, well, he's like the rector in some religions. He's the one that has the keys. He opens, he closes the synagogue. He's the one that gets the special speakers to come in. He takes care of the school. He's the one that selects the one that's going to read. In other words, the, the, the ruler of the synagogue, he's a big dog. He's a top dog. He's the, he's the top guy. So the ruler of the synagogue, if he wants to keep his position, his money, his status, man, you don't side with Jesus, but my little girl is sick now. It, it all of a sudden, it just got very real. It, it all of a sudden got real. You, you can't fake it anymore until you make it. All, all of a sudden, you got to put everything on the line and you keep your facade, you keep your safety, or you deal with your daughter that's dying. And so Jairus is at a point that he says, look, I put it on. We're talking about my little girl. Esta mi muchachita. Jesus, I beg you, you got you to gotta come to my house. You got to come to my house. This, this ain't no game here. She's dying. And this is what I want you to see. The first characteristic of Jesus as you get to know Jesus, write down the word willing. Willing. Wow, he is willing. Jesus is willing to go to Jairus' house. You know Jesus wasn't Cuban, right? Because if he would have been, I'm... I would have said, that would have been a perfect point to say, Jairus, now you want me to go to your casa? How things change, Jairus. You know, just put a little bit slide there, you know. (laughs) Not Jesus. You want me to go to your house? Look at the scriptures. You'll see it there. You'll see where I got this from. She's dying, but as he went, the multitudes thronged him. He went. You want me to go to your house? It's It's a settled issue. It's a done deal. He's willing. Jesus is willing this morning to go to your house. He's willing. Jesus is willing to meet you where you are this morning. The only thing is, if you want to meet with Jesus, you got to get real. Because Jesus is very real. Doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't tolerate sin. Took him to the cross. Jesus will give you as much of Jesus as you want. It's amazing to me. I wish I had more time, but let's move on. Willing. Some of the things that I could tell you about willing, what does that word mean? It means determine, determine. Write down Matthew 1, 19. You'll see the story about Joseph. Joseph not wanting Mary to be shamed. Joseph was willing. Joseph was determined to leave Mary secretly. And I could go down a a rabbit trail here. What a wonderful thing it is, my brothers here this morning. How many are brothers here this morning? Would you lift up your hand? How many? You might lift them up high. Lift them, you know what I mean? Okay, thank you. You could put them down. Brothers, what a beautiful thing it is when you know love, that love lays down his life. For his sheep, for the one that's they, that they, and that's Joseph. I love Joseph. You know, Mary comes and says, "I'm pregnant." What? Wait. Say what? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I ain't the Holy Spirit pregnant. <laughs> but he doesn't want to shame her. You think Joseph was hurt? You think he was broke? Of course, but. But I love men that they put, they put their wife, they put others on top before themselves. This is not a question about me. It's a question about Jesus. He, he loved Mary. True love. Ladies, can I say something to you? When a guy's trying to make his move and his play, be careful with that. I loved my wife. I, 
I respected my wife. Now, sometimes we blow it. Sometimes your testosterone and selfishness. Okay, God, there's room to repent, but no matter how you started, the question is from this point on, how are you going to continue? And it's a wonderful thing, men, when wives see that there's, there's a transformation happening in your life. You're willing to lay down your life for your wife. <laughs> It'd be a funny thing when somebody's breaking in the house and, honey, I heard a noise. You go get that. <laughs> I know some woman here say, I'll go get it. I'll take you. Praise God. You know, hallelujah. You'll come around. Uh, you might not like what I'm saying. But what I got to teach you is from the word willing. Joseph was willing. Remember, that's how we got there. It's a word that means determined. If you're writing notes down, Matthew 26, verse 41, um, it tells us the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That word willing there is not the same word as determined. It's the word decided. Decided. Jesus is saying, hey, man, the spirit has decided, but the flesh is weak. I'm saying, I'm giving you this so that we get to know what it means to say Jesus is willing. But then if you write down Luke verse 42, Luke 22, 42, you see there that Jesus said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, but not my will, your will, willing. And that word there means desire. Okay, so let's stop. Let's do a summary. In other words, Jesus willing means that Jesus is determined. Jesus is decided, and I love this one, and Jesus desires to go to your house. He desires. No matter what mess you're in, no matter what's dying or dead, no matter what's going on, no matter how much you've blown it, no matter how much you've dropped it, Jesus is determined. He's already made the decision, and Jesus desires. I long to go to your house. I want to hang with you. Where do you work? You're a young man here, right? You're a young man, right? You know, he loves young people. Jesus, not, I'm, we're older people, not that he doesn't love us, you know. But when you get old, you get more set in your ways. Well, I don't know. Young people, they're in. They're in, you know. They, they, they got this zeal, and, and Jesus loves them. Daniel, a young person. Joseph, a young person. Ruth, Esther, he loves young people. If you're young here today, I'm glad. I, I was uh, 19, I think, 1972, and, uh, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm so glad. I, I know what it is to serve in the youth and give, just give my whole life. I've spent my life for Jesus. And, man, if I had ten more lives, the ten of them I would give to Jesus. Not I'm going to give them nine and I'll keep one and we'll go to some concert. Ooh, no, no, no. Nine for Jesus. Ten for Because there's nothing like serving Jesus. So, okay, so let's get back on course here. You know, Jesus is willing. You want me to go to your house? Let's go to your house. So let's move on. Let's see what happens here. So as Jesus is going with Jairus to his house, verse 43, pick up with me, Luke chapter 8. Now a woman, a woman, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on the physicians, she could not be healed by any. And so she came from behind them and she touched the border of his garment. And I love this. Immediately her flow of blood stopped. And verse 45, Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, Master, Jesus, eh, <clears throat> con permiso. Tú tienes mucho sol. You've been in the sun too long here. You ask him, who touched Jesus, everybody's touching you. There's a multitude. And Jesus, I love it. You say, who touched me? Verse 46, but Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. 
because I perceive it. I perceive power going out from me. Brothers, our theme, discernment. Uh, this, is, this is a word that, that shows you a second characteristic. When you get to know Jesus, you know that Jesus is willing, but then you also know that Jesus is discerning. Discerning. That word discerning there is a word that means uh, gnosko, to know. It's a word that means to learn. It's a word that means to understand. Uh, I stop a second. For those guys that didn't make the conference, discernment is that camera of the soul that can capture what's going on, but then as you take it in, you properly process what's happening, and now you see it as if you were elevated into heaven to see heaven's view. And so from earth's view, do I take the job? It's going to mean more money. It's going to mean more this. But from heaven's view is you're going you're gonna to be thinned out in your ministry, you're, you're never going to reach the plan that God has for you because every one of you here this morning, you were born, you were created with a purpose and with a plan and with a reason. Did you know that? I'm a firm believer that everyone, I, I, I firmly believe that. I said, Pastor, where do you get that from? God didn't, isn't the spirit of God that told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew the way you were wired and I've appointed you. I would have never chosen to be a pastor. You know that. I wanted to be rich because I wanted to race cars. I wanted to have money. I wanted to go to some country, some, some farm, give me a white picket fence, let me have my toys, leave me alone. You don't bother me, I don't bother you. That's what I wanted. But I knew God wanted something from me. I said, Lord, what do you want? And the ministry starts coming. I said, I can't be a pastor. I can't be a pastor. My dad is so smart. He's read so many books. He's a pastor. I can't be a pastor, Lord. This is rough work. I... You know, I don't have the patience. I, don't, I can't be a pastor, and the Lord is calling me to be a pastor. Did I tell you that about four or five years ago, I went to the Homestead Speed Racetrack. I took my family. We were on vacation, so I took them to the Homestead, and the cars were going. It was loud, right? It was, I was loud for me. And I thought, wow, Lord, if I would have been a car racer, Wow, Lord, this is kind of boring. <laughs> I, I thought I wanted to be a car racer, but God's wired me to, man, to be at, at the hospital bedside. Someone is dying, and, man, I, I see the Lord show up, and, and I say things that, <laughs> they get touched. That I know it's not me. I know it. And then I get to do weddings, you know. And you know when they're getting married, everything's good. Oh, good. They sit so close to each other, you know. And they're at the cake, you know. And then they're married five years and they get the biggest car they can. And one is in the front seat and the other one's in the back seat. <laughs> That's not funny, but I laugh. <laughs> I laugh because, man, the, the way that it changes, you know. They could keep it going, but sometimes we don't know how to. And so you get to be a pastor, you know. You get to do, you get to do retreats and you get to... You get, now I'm seeing, you know, people that I baptized their parents and their kids. And, and man, I, I didn't know it. I was so dumb. I, I would have never chosen this. But I just came to the Lord and I said, Lord, and then I had a good example. You know, some people see this. They think this is pastor. Oh, you speak. And they want this is the minimum of ministry. I know you're pastor. You got a good pastor, man. You're with people and the sheep, you know, they're nice, they're cuddly, but sometimes sheep bite, you know, and something happens there, you know, they become sheep wolfers, oh, no, you know, and you got to take the bite. They betray you sometimes, you, 
you pray for them, you pray them into the kingdom, and you change their diapers, and you love them, and you're a father to them. Paul says, man, the more I love you, the, the less I am love. What's up with you? What's wrong with you, sheep? What's wrong with you? You have many teachers, but you have one father. But you, you take it because you're wired for that. Why for that? You know, you, you're at home and sometimes you cry. You don't want your wife to cry. I got a short way to get home. I got the long way. When, when, when things go bad, I take the long way. I don't want to bring nothing to the house. And when everything's good, I take the short way. But as a, as a shepherd, it's, it's not easy. I, I, I belabor this point too much. But, man, discerning. God knows. And Jesus knew that somebody had touched them. And so it's a beautiful thing. If I could act this out, hopefully you'll get it better. Jairus comes. Hey, let's go to my house. Jesus is walking to Jairus' house, right? That's what the scripture tells us. There's a lady that has a flow of blood, and she got it in her heart and mind that, man, if just the hem of Jesus touches me, I'll be healed. So she comes up quietly, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me. And, and just the hem of the garment touches her. Wow, I'm healed, yeah. But she's got a, she has a flow of blood. She's unclean. If she touches anybody, anybody touches her, it's a bad scene. And so she's just sneaking out. She got the touch of Jesus. I'm good. You're good. I'm good. She's sneaking out. I want you to see this because Jesus, discerning means he's going. He's going with Jerry. He's on a three. For, for uh, law enforcement, that means it's an emergency signal. I would have missed it. She would have touched me. I would've, I'm focused. We got to go get Talita. We got to go get that. But Jesus is so discerning. He stops, and when you look at the scripture, he turned around. He knows who's touched her. Jesus knows everything. So he turns around, okay, who touched me? Now, Peter's smart. The disciples, it's funny how we're smart. When nobody responds, then Peter's going to go in and show a little bit of his way. Hey, everybody's touching you. You know, what, what are you saying? <laughs> and Jesus is probably saying, Peter, de la boca. You know, so, so I believe Jesus is looking at this lady. She's busted. No, somebody's touched me because I, I perceive that power has gone out from me. Go back to the scripture. So far, we see that Jesus is willing, that Jesus is discerning. When you touch Jesus, when he touches you, Jesus knows that. Um, that word discerning, we, that was kind of like our theme verse for the conference. Paul prayed, I pray that your knowledge would grow more, your love would grow more and more in knowledge and in discernment. If there's anything that's needed today in the Christian family and the followers of Jesus Christ is that you would have this discernment. And Jesus has this discernment and he knows that this lady's come, she's been healed, and he wants her to what do they call it? Come out. Coming out. This is the bueno coming out. Because you're coming out for Jesus. You're not coming out for what you want or the struggles. You're coming. She's, she's now going to be coming out for Jesus. No, somebody, somebody's touching me. I like it in Spanish, right? Alguien me tocó. Alguien me tocó. Like that. <laughs> and, and the lady's probably thinking like we do. No, he's just looking at me, but he don't know. He doesn't, he pastor doesn't know what's going on. The Lord's revealed it. The Lord downloaded it. I, I could keep playing this game here, you know. Uh, there might be some, some gossip going on here. There's things going on here, but I'm, I'm under the radar. <laughs> because you're chosen. You're, you're in the radar. And she's in the radar because she's chosen. Are you with me? Let's move on here. I love this. Look at verse 47. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came 
trembling, falling down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason that she had touched them. And how she was healed. I love this immediately. Look at verse 48. I love that verse. And then he said to her, can you say that word aloud with me, Calvary Chapel in the city? Daughter. Okay, let's try it again. Then he said to her, daughter. One last time because we're getting the momentum now. Then he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Leviticus 15, verse 25. Extra credit work when you go home, when a lady was unclean, once a month, a 30-day cycle. You know what that's like, right? She couldn't touch anybody. She was unclean. But this lady's been having this for how long? 12 years. You know what that means? This lady, if she had a husband, she hasn't been able to touch her husband, and her husband hasn't touched her for 12 years. Keep going with me now. This means that if she had kids, I don't know if she did, but if she, I'm just trying to get you to see where this lady's been for the last 12 years. If she has kids, she can't touch the kids. The kids can say, Mommy, Mommy, for 12 years. But keep going with me. If this lady has a dad for 12 years, she hasn't been able to say to her dad, if this is a good relationship, hey, daddy, hey, she can't touch him. She's, no, but go with me a little bit further. If this lady goes to Walmart, if this lady goes to Sedano's, that's in Miami, pub, wherever this lady goes in town, they already know her. That's the unclean woman. Hey, those of you that are on this side, come a little bit closer here to thought, because according to the Talmud and the, and the thought process of those days, when you had this kind of sickness, it meant something about your moral character. People would judge you. You know, what, what you've been doing? What, what's going on in your... For 12 years. And, and now it says that she has spent everything she had in doctors. And instead of getting better, she was getting worse. Four minutes to go. And, and so for 12 years, she's been like this. She's the outcast. If anybody goes to Publix and they see her or Walmart, I use that store because I think everybody knows it. You know, if everybody's going down the aisle and there's that woman and she sees it, they're going this. She knows it. She's being rejected. And then on top of that, the way that you dealt with the sickness, you had to get ostrich eggs. You had to get napkins. You had to put it in. Man, it was she, 12, 12, did I say 12 in Espanol? 12 años. It even sounds like a long time in Spanish too, doesn't it? I wish I knew French and all the languages. I'll tell you. 12 years of this. And now she's just backing out, but, but God knows, Jesus knows she came for a touch, but she needs a visit. She needs a visit. Who touched me? Man, I, I've been sick. I've been in the doctors. Yeah, I know that. I can't believe she did that. And then Jesus says, daughter. Did I tell you what that word means? Daughter means peculiar to God's care. That's what daughter means. Did I tell you what daughter means? Acceptable to God. Did I tell you what daughter means? One that can rejoice in God's care and protection. Oh, did I tell you? Go to the Bible in the New Testament and find another place that Jesus called the lady daughter. I don't think it exists. You see what happened here? <laughs> she's the outcast, and now she's daughter. I think that must have gone into her mind in slow motion. Daughter, 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 to the heart, daughter, daughter, And I think there she says, did you hear what he called 
me. Now at Publix or at Walmart, they see her and everybody wants to go by her. Hi, how you doing? Oh, hi, hi. How you doing? Wow, man, you transformation, rejection to now received. Knowing Jesus a little bit more. <laughs> Ladies, you got a lot of pressure in the days you live in. Everybody's trying to tell you how to look, what's the right figure, what's the right color of hair. As a society, we are going berserk. The highest level you will ever achieve is to be God's daughter. And the greatest beauty you will ever have is to reflect that you have a heavenly father. I don't know what your earthly father was like. Some of you here, you've had good fathers. Some of you here, maybe not so good. But you've got a heavenly father. And he's created you the way you are. Some are more round. Some are more thin. Who, whoever said that thin is the way to go? Who, who, why, why do you look at something? Why do you try to be something that just, if you could only let God give you that beauty and you would just reflect God's beauty. I want to be true to the time, and it's 11.55. At 67,000 miles, I'm getting this. For the rest of the teaching, you'll have to go someplace. Go to the Lord. I'll meet you in Miami. Maybe I'll come back and finish it. Who knows? But the bottom line here is, when you get to know Jesus, when you get to know Jesus, did I say that already? When you get to know Jesus, not only do you go from unclean to daughter you go from unknown to son you become a son of God you have a father he wants to use you God is looking to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those men here that want to be loyal to him and ladies daughters you know, my daughter will call me right now, and I'd be hard-pressed. I, I, hard I, I want to please her. She's my, she's my peach, my little girl. Your heavenly Father wants to. He wants to bless you. He loves you. Amen? Amen. Pastor Steve, please come up. If you've been asked to pray, if you could come up at this time, if you've been asked to pray, be a prayer partner. Pastor Raz, can I put you on overtime? Could you go come up and be a, a prayer partner? Nadia, do you mind joining Pastor Raz? Getting to know Jesus.
Pastor Raz talked about Joseph and Mary and something else that happened with that story when she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit and she's told by the angel, you have a child, she says, but I never knew a man. And that word know, I never knew a man, is used throughout the New Testament as an exhortation, you need to know Jesus. Not facts about Jesus, because we all grew up with that. We knew about Christmas, Easter. We knew about some guy who died on a cross, rose from the dead. Do you know Jesus Christ? What's striking to me about the story of, of Jairus and the woman with an issue of blood, both of them fell down before Jesus. Verse 41, it says that the, the Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, he fell down at Jesus' feet. Verse 47, the woman with an issue of blood falling down before him, trembling. God says in the book of Isaiah that I'm searching not for those who are proud in their heart, but that are contrite and who tremble at my word. She fell down trembling before him. And what did he say? He said he called her daughter. If you could stand up now, we're going to have a time of worship just to close the service. And man, woman, you, your heart has been stirred by, by Pastor Raz's message and you just have that same, that same compulsion to fall at his feet. Come up and let's pray what's going through your mind. If you want to fall on your feet, I'll get down on the ground with you. My wife, Stephanie, can you come up? We don't come to church here at Calvary Chapel just for a Bible study. We come up here for an encounter with the Lord. That's why we're here. If all we get is new information, when we leave, God's weeping. God wants to know, God knows you. He wants you to know Him. Intimacy. As Pastor Raz says, this man Jairus had opposed Jesus just a few chapters earlier. But then he came and fell on his feet and eventually the pastor was good to his word. He ended on time, but uh, he goes to Jairus' house and he heals, his, he heals his daughter that he loves so much. 
And Jairus, what he gets to know Jesus in a completely different way. If you just want someone to come alongside of you and pray, I want to know Jesus. I bet we've been in in this verse in Isaiah that just says, "God, my desire is for you." My desire is for you. If you have a desire to have a desire for the Lord and you want just prayer, Lord, pray that the Lord would do it in my heart. I desire an education. I desire a family. I desire travel. But I don't desire God. What's, what, what's that about? I don't desire Jesus Christ come up for prayer or if you have never in your life opened up your heart and asked Jesus to come in as your king as your savior you've never done that I didn't do it until I was 24 even though I'd been in church many many times in my life come up it is simple it's a simple prayer, not an easy thing to do, because as the pastor began in his sermon, Jesus wants everything. He wants a full exchange. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never become a, another way of saying it, if you've never become a, a son or a daughter, as the Bible says that, only to as many who receive Jesus Christ are given the right to be a son or daughter of God. That's John chapter 1, verse 12. We can come up and pray about that. But let's all worship. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you'd have your way among us as we close this service. Amen.